Hey guys, welcome to the Behavior Tech's Anonymous podcast. I am your host, Ms. Ashley, and I'm a behavior tech. Let's reinforce some of my behaviors. Hello, friends. Thank you for coming to this meeting of Behavior Tech's Anonymous. My name is Ms. Ashley, and I will be your host for this evening. How is everybody doing? I know it's been kind of a lot lately. I've had a lot of reports from other people saying that their clients are just like off the walls. And um, I believe that's just because of like the holidays that are coming up. Because like October, November, December have always been the worst three months for working with kids for me. Because they're just like ready to go. They're excited for Halloween. They get Halloween. They're excited for Thanksgiving. We get past Thanksgiving. And then, of course, there is the winter holidays. So these kids are just jazzed for like three months straight. And then finally, after January, things start to kind of calm down, pick back up again around Valentine's Day. But then we're, it's pretty much smooth sailing until um, the end of the year, which is always nice. But, you know, as soon as the weather starts getting really nice again, they get a little antsy because they want to go outside more. But, you know, what are you going to do about it? But anyway, I kind of wanted to touch on um, my take on what I like to call clinic mentality. And my definition of clinical mentality is like when you're so used to doing things within a clinic-based setting that you generalize it to other settings. And in those other settings, how you act, react, and do things in a clinic may not be what you should be doing in, you know, the uh, other environments. And I think that a really good example of this would be what I'm kind of going through right now and what I've been kind of going through lately. Um, You know, when a child has like a big behavior or a client has a big behavior, like within a clinic, you are able to kind of withstand that and you work through it. Even if they're being aggressive towards you, you do what you need to do. And you use all your little ABA tricks and you get through the behavior. That's great. I mean, it works, right? We've all seen it work before. It's a proven science. We know all about it. Blah, 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 blah. That is not always the best policy, though. I have tried to do it in the school settings in two different schools now. And I am here to tell you that blocking, not reacting, and waiting out a behavior when they are super escalated like that and just repeatedly aggressing towards you is not the way to go within a school setting. And it's due to like a bunch of different factors. Um, So first off, in a school, there are other children. And whether anybody likes to admit it or not, seeing a teacher or an adult get hit and kicked and punched and stuff thrown at them repeatedly is a traumatic experience for the other children as well as the other adults in the room especially when they don't understand ABA. I've been accused of underreacting during these times and it's really hard because I'm like no I'm not underreacting I am reacting appropriately I'm not giving it like a lot of attention I'm um, just like focusing on all of like the aspects of their behavior plan I am trying to manage their behaviors. I'm trying to manage my own behavior when it's happening. Um, I'm not, I'm not underreacting. 
and it's always been a kind of like a back and forth, especially with new staff members about me reacting appropriately. And it's just because they don't understand, you know, they really don't know that you can't talk to them during that time that like the bartering and the choices are over and you just need to be quiet and focus and, um, just, you know, deescalate the behavior. They know what they know and what they know is a lot of, I don't want to say punitive, but it is a lot of punishment because they don't understand. Um, and in the moment, their main goal is to get it to stop completely because they have a class full of other children that they need to attend to. And the behavior is just way too out of control for them. And I, it's important for us to be able to like empathize with that when not just like, you know, like the school staff, but also with parents too, it can be hard for them to see a child reacting that way. And to see us kind of in their eyes, like underreacting because what they're seeing is a child in distress and an adult that is not addressing the child um, under, in distress. Whereas in a clinic, you would be able to maybe um, not isolate yourself, but like be in one room. You'd be able to really manipulate the environment by taking stuff out of the room. Um, you'd be able to block like a bunch of people from seeing your client and it's harder in a school setting to be able to do that stuff. I know that one of the schools at the district that I was at before I came to this school, they had like this whole like cool little like autism unit and they had these really nice like sensory rooms and stuff that you could take the children into when they needed it. But most of the time that is not the case and it can be very stressful to try to deescalate when an adult is yelling at you and all of the other children in the room are freaking out. Um, so what I've had to do is I've had to take into account the school's policies. So when a child hits a teacher, that child gets in trouble. They get like a call home, they get maybe a strike, they get some kind of, some kind of punishment is put in place. And whether or not you agree with that or not is not really up to you. Like me, for example, at this current job, my principal is my supervisor and it is, it is his school. He does take into account what the BCBA has put in place. However, overall, it is his school. So we have to make sure that we are abiding by his rules and his laws for the school, as well as, you know, following the behavior plan. So why do I bring this up? Well... I have been getting kind of like beaten up a lot at work lately. Um, it's just this one kid, this one client. He really is, he's on the struggle bus right now and everything is an, an attack. Everything. Um, you could give him something that he wanted and then something else would set him off in a split second and he would be on you and just pummeling you. Finding the antecedent has been really hard. We are taking ABC data, but it's just super, super difficult. But the thing is, is like when he hits and stuff, he can, he's able to hit with like a lot of force and he is able to cause like, I mean, some damage on the person's body. In a clinical setting, I would have done what I've already said before and did some environmental manipulations and made sure that he could not hurt 
himself, others, or the property. I would have made sure that um, nobody else could really be disrupted by his behaviors the best I could. And, you know, I would have like a BCBA on hand all the time to support. And we would work through the behaviors that way from either planned ignoring or gestures or going through um, the prompts. And again, all that stuff is a lot easier in like <laughs> in a very controlled environment. The classroom that we are in right now is, I believe, the least restrictive environment that we could have given this child. And maybe that was part of his issue, but um, it is crazy. <laughs> like, I am tired. The other staff members in the room are tired. And it's just a lot. And what I think about when I get hit or kicked or punched or bit is pretty much like, okay, that happened. We're going to work through it. And then that's pretty much it for me. And then at the end, people are like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. It's no big deal. And that's kind of the clinic mentality. Thinking that getting hit and bit and kicked and working through these crazy behaviors, essentially like on your own, is something to be praised for. It is a good skill to have, something that you should be able to do. I don't think that it should be the bare minimum of expectance for RBTs, especially if you're brand new, and I know that it is, because those big behaviors are behaviors and we need to be able to manage those behaviors and work to bring them down. However, that does not mean that you deserve to get hit. And in the school system, in this specific school system that I'm working in now, they do have steps in place that we are following. And we have to think about it in a way where if he had hit another teacher like how he hit me, would he be in trouble or would it just be water under the bridge? And I do have to keep reminding myself of that. And my supervisor reminds me of that too. That just because we are used to it from working in the clinic and working in the ABA field and our tolerance is higher does not mean that those actions are okay. And um, the ultimate goal is to help these children transfer back into wherever the best environment would be for them after we get their behaviors down. So... I can't imagine him getting frustrated and then having um, some form of like extinction burst and just going ham on his teacher because then the teacher's definitely going to follow the school's policy because they're not going to be RBTs and they will probably call mom, he'll get picked up, he'll get suspended, all of that stuff. And it's really hard to bring yourself out of that thought process because even now, like after the last few days that I've had in the classroom, like I'm... Whenever it happens, I'm still there. I'm still in a clinic. I'm still focusing on what I would do in a clinic. I've been in the schools for a very long time, but I will always divert back to my, like, trainings in the ABA clinics. And I'm also, like, not saying the clinics condone the violence. I'm just saying it's easier to work through the violence in a clinic. I remember the first time this was, like, brought up to me was at my old school district, and this one principal... Um, she had asked for like an update and I was just telling her about the day and stuff. And I, it was kind of like a joke, like jokingly telling her about the aggressions. And she was like, wait, are you serious? That's not okay. 
And I was like, oh, well, yeah, but I like worked through it. And she was like, no, Ashley, that's not okay. She, nobody can be like hitting you like that. And I was like, well, you know, and I explained to her like how in a clinic, this is what we did, how when I was trained, this is what we did. And she was like, no, I get that. I understand that. You don't deserve to be hit. And also if they hit anybody else, they would be out by now. And it just, I was like, oh, because I, it never occurred to me that they would be without me, which I mean, it should have, but it just didn't occur that their behaviors could go towards other people. I never really missed work, so maybe that was part of it. But even now, like in this school, when they're saying like the same thing, I'm like, okay, well then I really do need to like just switch my mentality over from clinic-based to school-based. And I'm hoping that I can model that for um, the other people in the room too, though I'm pretty sure that they got it. They're tough. They're smart. They got it. But I still feel like responsible for them a little bit. And I think that's just because like I myself am like a protective person. I do tend to kind of like mama bear people. So like when I see them like getting hit and getting hurt, my first instinct is to kind of like step in between them and stop them and protect them. I'm also not used to working with people anymore who know behavior and stuff. So when I see the aggressions happening on other people, I immediately want to like step in and like, you know, stop the behavior and protect them and make sure that they're okay. When I should probably like take a step back and kind of follow their lead. So that's like really something that I need to work on personally is making sure that other people are able to develop their skills and use their skills. And just because I know what to do doesn't mean they don't know what to do. So when I see one of my RBT and BT coworkers getting hit and kicked and punched and pushed around and thrown about and have stuff thrown at them, I need to see how they're reacting first before I can react because I don't want to step on anybody's toes or worse, like take their instructional control away from them. Um, because that really is like the worst thing that you can do in a school setting is take away somebody's instructional control. You're making, you're going to make it worse for you and you're going to make it worse for them. It's not worth it. Don't do it. You're not a superhero. You don't have to act like it. And you know, like after those behaviors happen, we all like to ask each other like, hey, you good? Do you need a break? Yada, yada, yada. And in the past, I would have said, I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But I think what I'm going to start doing and start working on is like listening to my body and saying yes, because there's nothing wrong with saying, yes, I need a break or yes, I need to take like five minutes or I need to like walk down the hallway and then come back in. There's nothing wrong with that. And in the past, I know that I had seen doing stuff like that as a form of weakness, especially within myself, because it's my job. Why would I need a break? This is what I was trained to do. This is what the job entails. You don't need a break every time something like that happens. And maybe, maybe some of that's true. But you should also give yourself enough grace to be able to take a break. And I know that in clinics, you don't really get the chance to do that after a big behavior. You kind of just have to keep powering through the session. And you might like lessen the work for the client, but not so much for yourself. Even if you're like, like your arms are stinging from getting bit and hit or you're <laughs> missing your clumps of hair or you have like spit like dripping off your face. 
you are kind of expected just to clean yourself up and move on from there. But here in this setting, in the school setting, I have the option of being able to rely on my other coworkers and be able to mentally take care of myself and take a break and take a breath when I need to. And it feels wrong doing it. I feel wrong doing it. I did it today and it felt wrong. It felt like I was going to be in trouble, but I wasn't going to be in trouble. I felt, I did feel a little bit weak. Like I felt like I should be able to go out there and just like keep going. It's like, why are you stopping? You can keep going actually. This is ridiculous. You're being a baby. Like I actually have like those conversations with myself in my head while I'm just trying to almost like just debrief what happened with myself and like catch my breath. And I'm like, no, you're okay. You just got tousled about by a child. You're okay. Take a breath. Take a break. I don't know if I'll ever not feel guilty for doing that. (laughs) I don't know. Especially with the experience that I have and I know that I'm skilled and I can do stuff and I can handle stuff. And I think I have to really focus on the fact that just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. Just because I was trained that way doesn't mean it should stay that way. And it's so hard to get the clinic out of my head. And I never want the other ones in the room to feel that way. I want them to be able to feel like they can ask me to like take a break and take a breather, take five or ten minutes and go and get a drink of water out of the room or go sit in the bathroom or I don't know, just anything. I want them to be able to feel like they can take care of themselves without judgment and without feeling like I'm going to think less of them because they need a break. And not even just with like the aggressions, but, you know, working with our clients can be very taxing, especially when you have multiples in the same room and you're just constantly like on the go working through all these different skills just all at once, which is what we do. And just the noise alone, just all of the, like the screaming and the yelling because we're still working on functional communication training. It can be a lot. And I want everyone to be able to feel like if they get overwhelmed, that they are able to take a break and no one is expecting them to just keep, just keep on keeping on for the sake of being in the classroom. Because it's not like it's going to help anything. It's not like it's going to make them better. It's not like it's going to benefit the kids at all that they're stressed out in the room and not doing their best. But it is easier for me to think that way, like for the other people than it is for myself. So we're going to work on that. I'm going to jot it a little down as a personal little goal. I will say sometimes I do miss the clinic. I miss how quick results would be. I miss how Everybody was just like available on hand, like BCBAs were just like right around the corner. I miss having materials, all these materials that everybody had made all together and I didn't have to make all the materials myself. I miss having access to Velcro like 24-7, which you don't think about until you don't have any Velcro for a really long time. And you're trying to make file folders. You don't have any Velcro for your file folders, so you just have a bunch of cut out laminated pieces of paper that you can't use in these manila file folders. Very annoying. It's very frustrating to me. I do miss that stuff. 
Also, I kind of miss, so we don't use like any kind of like data collection system like um, like Central Reach or I remember what the other ones are. I use Central Reach a lot. We don't use anything like that. We just have like pen and paper. Um, I kind of miss, I kind of miss just taking data on that. Like, you know, you just click a little button on your phone. They do it. Yes or no. What prompt did you use? Click it. And then you're done. And then when you're done with like the day with the session, it grabs it for you. Easy peasy. I've been, I've been doing a lot of math, a lot of graphing, which is fine, but it's like, ugh. Sometimes it just feels like one more thing. But I do really love my job, though. I really do. And I think that if I can just kind of switch my brain, finally, even though I've been in the schools for however long now, from, like, the clinic mentality to just letting myself be a person instead of trying to, like, you know, force myself to be this, like, perfect RBT who can take all the hits and all the punches and we just kind of go from there. I could just switch it into being somebody who cares about themselves just as much as they care about their client, then I think, I think we're growing. I think we're getting somewhere. I don't know where, but somewhere. And even though I know that my clients will not get the same kind of like quick success that they would if they were in a clinic versus in a school, I know that they will get it. I know that I can help them. I know that my coworkers can help them. I know that we are going to do really great things for them and their families and hopefully the school too. And even though it's going to be taking a little bit longer, it's still going to be making a difference. And that's really what being an RBT is like all about, you know, making a difference, doing, doing good, just trying your best. And, you know, just kind of remembering that you are not your job. Being an RBT is part of who you are. It's a part of what makes you, you, I guess, but it's not who you are. And it shouldn't just take up your entire personality. Which is something that I also did in the clinic, by the way, is I made it be my whole personality. Maybe that's just an Ashley thing, but I have a feeling that it's not. But yeah, so if you aren't working in a clinic, try not to develop the clinic-based mentality. It's hard to break. It's very difficult. Or maybe if you are in a clinic, maybe try switching up the way that you're thinking and how you're treating yourself. There's no dignity in getting hit. It doesn't make you a better person because you can take a punch from a client, no matter the age, okay? Because people, people discredit how hard little kids can hit because they can hit pretty hard. There's no dignity in letting yourself get hit. Good for you for not reacting to it, but take care of yourself afterwards because after a while, it will take a toll and more likely than not, you will develop a form of PTSD from it. And just being like preemptive about it and like, you know, just making sure you're taking care of yourself before it happens instead of, you know, right after it happens only, I think would help a lot. I wouldn't know because I didn't do that. However, my hypothesis is that it would help. (sighs) But that really is all I really have to say today. It's just been on my mind a lot lately. I hope that you guys have a really great Thanksgiving. We are going to close out with one of our RBT ethics codes. 
and we are on ethics code 1.07, and that is RBTs work directly with their supervisor to ensure that they are culturally responsive in their work. They actively to <laughs> they actively work to evaluate their own biases and ability to work with individuals with diverse needs slash backgrounds. Examples, age, disability, ethnicity, gender, expression, identity, immigration status, marital and relationship status, national origin, race, religion, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status. Ooh. And obtain any needed training in these areas under the direction of their supervisor. That was a mouthful. Oh my goodness. They really covered all the bases. I cannot think of anything that they might have left out. That was nuts. I mean, I read it beforehand, but I didn't read it out loud. Anyway, I do hope that you guys had a good Thanksgiving. I hope to see you guys at our next meeting in two Tuesdays. So that will be, what is it, December? Yes, December 4th. I will see you guys on December 4th. Thank you so much for coming to this meeting of Behavior Text Anonymous. I hope to see you guys at the next meeting. Until then, you can find me on Instagram at Behavior Text Anonymous. You could email me at hello at behaviortextanonymous.com. That's hello, H-E-L-L-O at behaviortextanonymous.com. You can send me a message, ask me questions, um, tell me a story. And if you would like me to share it, you can let me know. Again, this is Behavior Text Anonymous. So if you do not want your name shared, that is fine. That is great. Uh, make sure if you are telling me a story, though, that you don't have any kind of identifying factors when telling me stories about a client or a child or anything really to do with work. I think that the goal or not the goal, but the golden rule is like less than three identifying factors because we want to respect people's privacy. We are not breaking any HIPAA laws. I'm not going to be a part of that just because you want to mess up. But um, yeah, so I would really love to hear from you guys and I will see you on December 4th. Thank you for coming. Thank you.